0: You're listening to a Mornings with Kelly and Steve podcast. Be sure to check us out every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on Moody Radio.
1: Vermont Pierre, he is a pastor who has written a wonderful book. Well, he's the lead pastor over at Roosevelt Community Church. Uh, It is a multi-ethnic congregation, downtown Phoenix, Arizona, Man, I, I felt like I needed to say that loud because of the Phoenix Sun. <laughs> mm, man, hey, Vermont, I, I spent 17 years living out in that desert, uh, lived in the Glendale area, and I okay. called it home for a long time, and it's a beautiful place, man. Uh, how did you 70s, end up? the 80s today. It, oh, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, the <laughs> 80s today. Wonderful. Hey, how'd you end up out there?
2: Yeah, I'm originally from the New York, New Jersey area, and I came down here uh, end of 2002. I was going to do kind of a two-year post-seminary internship, and they asked me to stay at the end of those two years to help uh, plant a church in downtown Phoenix, and here I still am.
1: Well, all right. See, that's some affirmation that they liked you, huh? (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Where about in New York? You got to tell me.
2: Um, Well, I was born in Brooklyn, but then I really grew up in northern Jersey, so like maybe a half hour outside the city.
1: All right, Long Island over here. So there you go. <laughs>
2: it's nice. Yeah, for
1: sure, we almost walked the same path from New York to wow. Phoenix. Just so you know, <laughs> Indy's not too bad if you move here next. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a great. Uh, it's great to connect with you over your book, "Dearly Beloved," how God's love for His church deepens our love for one another, and how we should be looking at loving others through the lens of God's love for us. It's a pretty awesome topic. I love it.
0: Yeah, Vermont, I want to ask you, you know, right off the top here, uh, because we were talking about this as we were letting our our listening family know that we were going to be having this conversation with you, that the Bible does describe our relationship with God as a marriage. And I've thought about that so much through the years. Um, I've been married. I'm single now. But what exactly does that mean? Because when I think of marriage – you know, between two humans, that's one thing, but God is so much higher than we are, and and our our marriages, to me, seem so small compared to who God is. What does that mean?
2: Yeah, you know, God's love for us uh, being described as as the love of a a husband for his bride, I think, brings to mind a type of, of love that is uh, uniquely intimate and affectionate, committed. Um, and it's one of the reasons that sort of drew me to that subject. I'm always thinking about community, particularly for a multi-ethnic church. i am always been thinking from the very start of my ministry, what brings people together, what keeps them together? And obviously the key answer to that is we need to love one another. Uh, but then as a sort of thought through this, I thought, you know, really maybe what are the strongest and best ways uh, we can talk about how we love one another? And I think One of the strongest and best ways the Bible talks about is that type of love, uh, what I call in the book a beloved love, God's love for us uh, that pursues us and joins us to Him and keeps us to Him, that God doesn't just put up with us. He delights in us. He has affection for us. uh, He perseveres with us. And all those different categories, and I think really the the key hinge of the book is is that basically this beloved love of God uh, is now in us uh, by the Spirit. Uh, Imagine your soul is, is this well. Uh, that has been polluted by sin, that leads you to division and separation from one another. God now pours his beloved love into us. And it's from that same well that we can draw from to love each other. And I think it just enters, opens up new categories of how we might love in the life of the church, um, that there's a kind of intimate love that can happen in the life of the church. Um, there's a kind of affectionate love, a persevering love, a delighting love. Uh, and we, we do that not so much from trying to generate it within ourselves. Uh, we can do that because God's love is in us. And so when I look at other believers, um, they're beloved to me because they're beloved to God.
1: Well, you know, as we entered into the 2020s, nobody could really know what was coming at that early stage of the year in 2020, where we started to see lockdown and all the other challenges. And that seemed to have really created this breeding ground for isolation. Uh, We see disunity. We can't even have proper discourse openly. We see loneliness at epidemic levels. It's impacting Families and it's impacting individuals. And you make a really good point of this connection of understanding what it means to be deeply loved by God first as an individual to us. And then it translates into our roles as husbands, as mothers, as wives, as fathers, as you know, in the mission field. It changes everything. How important is it for us to really get a grasp of how deeply loved we are by God? In order for us to be effective in those other roles that we
2: have, yeah, I spent the first chapter really exploring that, and um, you know, to really dwell and reflect on that, I, we I, we can't get enough of, of really looking at all the ways in which the Bible speaks of God's sort of delight over us. I think it's in Zechariah, but the Bible speaks of God singing over us. I mean, it's sort of this, this language that the, the, the Bible uses just gives us. You know, so many people when they think of god or some sort of power out there um in many ways they, they think of it in abstract ways or you know, they're sort of wrestling with life i just got to sort of make god pay attention to me and so hopefully i can get the things that i want um and it's almost a, a view of god that is uh, we're constantly negotiating with him right, and hoping mm-hmm. things go our way and the bible says no like god um i mean you might say that the the first thought of god towards us was a, a thought of love of of choosing us for himself and drawing us to Himself, and even when we've, and Bible uses really stark language. Uh, you know, we've sort of cheated on God multiple times. God still pursues us. His love redeems us and restores us and draws us to Him. And, and when we begin to think of it that way, we we sort of sit in the very center of that love. Um, Romans talks about how there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So there's nothing that can separate us from that love, that strong, intimate, vibrant love. Um, Well, then there's also nothing that can separate us from one another in the same degree that we, I've said, you know, it's sort of simple geography. God's love uh, for us has drawn us to himself and it's drawn other people to himself as well. And so we're in the same place, connected to God in his love. And it's that same love that allows us then to to lean in towards one another uh, and to love in some of the sort of vibrant uh, ways that, that make uh, relationship and community so so important.
0: You talk about expressions of this love and, and how we – Show love to one another, and and even toward God, too, Vermon. Um, talk about initiative. What is initiative in the context of a, of a relationship? What does this mean in how we express love?
2: Well, you know, in really, in the, each chapter of the book, what I try to do is say, here's what God has done towards us, and it's on that same basis that we can do it towards others. And so that concept of initiative begins before the foundations of the world, where God saw us for himself and chose us for himself, and then God constantly moving towards us. It's not that we've loved God, but that He first loved us, says in 1 John. Um, that we were enemies, sinners, leaning away from God, and God takes the first move and moves towards us. Um, you know, similar to a husband uh, choosing his wife, moving towards his wife, proposing to his, to his future wife, and marrying his wife. Uh, God uses, the, the metaphor of that is used for how God pursues us and leans in towards us. And that same initiating love now uh, by the spirit is in us. And so that allows me to sort of not give up on people, um, allows me to sort of, it gives a c- category of saying, I don't need to wait for someone to move into a relationship with me. I don't need to sort of see something happening and sort of hope maybe someone else notices. It gives us the ability to to pay attention uh, to people's lives, to, to be curious about what's going on, and to always be willing to make that first move, to make that phone call, to send that text message, um, to invite someone out. Um, and those type of, when a community of people are doing that, I mean, it's powerful. Um, it helps the isolation and division that we are talking about before.
1: Well, in the context of the marriage, you speak about this word covenant being used in that marriage relationship. And we often hear that, but how is it that we frame God's relationship with people in terms of a covenant? Because as we see, you know, marriage is uh, really the picture of Christ's love for his church. And that translates here in that covenant relationship. So what does that really mean for us in context of how God loves us and we extend that love to others in our relationship?
2: Covenant describes the kind of relationship God has with us. He doesn't uh, casually date us. Uh, he doesn't uh, sort of just hang out with us. He has, uh, establishes a covenant with us. And a simple definition is a covenant is a committed relationship. Um, you see that in the very beginning with Sinai. And a lot of the features of Mount Sinai, when God's people were there in front of the mountain, God uh, essentially making a, a, a commitment. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's, here's what I promise to do for you. Um, there's a meal that's uh, they have at the uh, Mount Sinai, uh, very much like a marriage meal. All the signs of God saying, I'm sticking with you. I'm going to continue to stick with you. And that sense of sort of committed love. Uh, that binds us to God, that says uh, we will be together no matter what. Um, That's powerful for when we think of what it means then to to live in community with one another. Um, It's that same sense in which, um, you know, when you think of concepts like church membership, right, or uh, when we recite creeds together, all those ways, all those things are are ways of reinforcing the fact that, hey, we are in relationship with each other. uh, We believe the same things, we're going in the same direction, and we're committed to those things. Um, And as I said, that that so much of the things are harder to do these days, uh, mm-hmm. but it's easier, I think, if we frame it not so much in like, well, okay, how do I feel about this person, but to say, how does God feel about this person? Because God feels this way. He's committed to them. I can also be committed to them because it's God's committed love that's in me that draws me to the, to the other people around me.
0: Ramon, how do you counsel people to to continually, I guess, maybe if this is a right way of wording it, because um, I, I think as human beings, we we tend to be so fallible and, and maybe we need to uh, at least Mentally or emotionally, or both, renew that covenant day by day in our hearts and our minds because um, we do live in a world that doesn't, you know, uh, culturally really respect godly covenants. Um, We tend to really get caught up in our, our emotions and our frustrations and it seems that uh, obviously you you look at the culture around us we tend to walk away more than we we stick to our commitments that we make how do you how do you counsel people to really um, stick with that covenant to to view that uh, not just the marital relationship but other relationships familial relationships uh, friendships your your relationships with your brothers and sisters in Christ uh, you, you know stay in that covenant relationship don't give up on people how do you really counsel them to to view that on a deeper level because we we do rub each other the wrong way sometimes and we can get frustrated and walk away from one another for quite an extended period and then it's we're, we're too embarrassed to come Back and make it right.
2: You know, one of the things I, I write about in the book is um, sort of how we understand conflict uh, in the context of God's sort of beloved love for us. And I think that the key, the key tool for, for or the key concept for, for dealing with conflict is, is grace. Um, and grace is a, an amazing concept. Uh, it gives us the ability to show favor towards one another, not because people have deserved it or could earn it back, but simply um, because it's there um, and God's. The Bible is just is um, goes over the top in explaining God's grace towards us. The riches of God's grace it talks about in Ephesians one, um, the abundant grace of God always being that, that God is. When we think of the qualities of God, God is sort of is extra full of His grace, and so grace allows Him to to always then uh, show favor towards us to keep the lines of communication open. So, so to speak, uh, and to always give the context for restoring relationship and, and sticking with one another. And so that applies. And really the, the book is about sort of all the different relationships we have in the life of the church. Um, the book allows us the, the book. One of the things I write about the book is that grace then allows us to, um, still be open towards one another in the same way God is open towards us. It allows us to show forgiveness for each other. It allows us to be willing to sacrifice our pride. Uh, it allows us to be willing to, um, To confess our sin and to be honest about the things that were wrong and know that that will be received. Um, grace is just a wonderfully binding agent. Um, and I think as we lean into that grace that God has shown towards us, uh, we're able to lean in grace towards each other.
1: Well Vermont you know we were created for relationship first with God and then with others so the vertical to the horizontal and I love the imagery that you use the illustration uh from the the closing of the book you say uh, once god's love is flowing among us not only does it connect us together but it moves us together In communion with God and with one another forever, because that's the key word there forever. We might imagine then God's love as a river that pours into a lake that stretches out beyond what any of us can see. And that lake is the forever life with God. And so we are created for that eternity. So, share with us a little bit of the perspective of what being loved by God and loving each other really looks like in the context of eternity.
2: Yeah, it's uh, you know the next sort of paragraph um, is one of my favorite things to think about in um, the sort of the end of the book. I, I just really talk about what what that means. I mean, God's love, this infinite love He has for us, means there's there's always new vistas, <laughs> there's new ways for us to know and be known, and to love and be loved. Uh, like, like the best marriages, like the most healthy marriages, um, you know, marriages that have lasted uh, for decades um, when they're in you know, the marriages in their you know fourth, fifth, sixth decade. Um, it's amazing to hear couples talk about new ways in which they're united to their spouse. Um, they yeah. haven't gotten tired of them. Um, they've, if anything, they become more delighted than them. And it's amazing to think that that's a shadow of what we will experience uh, with God and with one another. Um, one of the things I say in the book is just imagine sort of a Monday in heaven and all the delight and affection and intimate ways in which we'll be joined to God and to one another. And that Monday will end and then Tuesday will start. And in the first couple minutes of that Tuesday, we already will have surpassed what we did on that Monday because um, it will only grow. Um, and uh, Tuesday will end, and then Wednesday will start, and whatever we did on Monday and Tuesday, whatever experiences we've had, already have fallen by the wayside uh, as we've grown into even new ways of being known and, and being uh, and knowing one another, of uh, being loved and loving one another, because um, God's love is infinite. And so it's, it's wonderful to think that in many ways we're just on this trajectory there, and we get to experience some of it now knowing that we won't go backwards. We will only grow. So it's really an encouragement then, uh, this eternal love is already in us. Uh, it will only open and open open uh, as we uh, move closer and closer to the Lord. Um, and so we, we get a chance to have a head start now.
0: I love this conversation, Ramon. Um, by the way, if you're just joining us, we're talking with Ramon Pierre. Um, his book, Through Moody Books, is titled Dearly Beloved, How God's Love for His Church Deepens Our Love for Each Other. And I've seen couples in Church Vermon, who do a, just a beautiful job of not only loving God, but loving one another, and that love spills over into so many beautiful ways to others in the church around them and others in the culture around them, and that is just something I aspire to and um, love being in their presence because they seem to really get it. But then I see others who struggle with embracing that kind of love. And I wanted to ask you, what do you feel are some of the biggest obstacles that you see that people do struggle with when it comes to embracing God's love for them, and therefore uh, being able to love one another well and others well? And and how would you encourage them to really stop and, and examine their relationship with God? And and start to open up to that love that he has for them?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different things that people are facing now. Um, people feel more anxious uh, about their lives. Um, we are bombarded with uh, messages and images that encourage us to think first of ourselves and to pursue what's best for ourselves. Um, we have natural tendencies, uh, and I mean, this goes back to the first century, so We choose people who are like us. Um, so the first century church, uh, the Jews uh, might want to be more with the, the Jewish Christians and the Gentile Christians might've been more with the Gentile Christians. Um, and it's striking to think of the Jerusalem church, uh, at no point did we ever see sort of the early church say, well, you know, we'll just start something for the Jewish Christians in, in downtown Jerusalem and something else for the Gentile Christians in another part of downtown. Um, no, it was, it was all one church. And, and so, um, in many ways, it, we are beginning with where the word has been done with us, um, to become a Christian, uh, Forces us to humble ourselves. Uh, It allows us to expose our own pride, our own sort of tendencies to to pick ourselves or pick others like us first. And I want to suggest that part of how we might better move towards loving one another and and deal with the things I've just mentioned is by a a deeper consideration of what it is for God to have chosen us. Uh, We're completely unlike Him. Um, God was completely self sufficient. Uh, And yet, God opens up His heart, His life, His family to join us to Himself and to unite us to Himself. And I think when you sort of consider that and, and realize that, and, to, and I've said this a couple of times in the book, um, this is so much as trying to sort of rev up our own engine, right? Um, imagine sort of we're, uh, the, we're in this car, and the car is not something we've built. It's the, the car that God has built. <laughs> it's the Holy Spirit. And so we have to be willing to let the Spirit drive us towards one another. If it's sort of us trying to do it ourselves, well, I mean, we... There's a big difference between walking and driving. (laughs) And and so imagine people might feel miles away if we're thinking we need to sort of get there on our own. We have all sorts of reasons why we won't do so. Um, But God has sort of put us in the vehicle that will lead us and drive us towards people, no matter how far distant they are from us. Uh, And I think that that becomes a powerful realization. Um, It opens up new ways of thinking, uh, new new ways of, 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 as I said before, leaning in towards those around us. And I think we'll be surprised um, if we sort of consider how God's love allows us uh, to not just sort of put up with people or sort of just um, think of what's best for us, uh, but how God's love allows us to delight people to think of what's best for others. Well, truly,
1: well, tr- truly, truly an important word that, uh, you know, I find in this book is the understanding of the word beloved, because that's what God says that we are. We are beloved, and when we fully grasp that concept— then we are able to let that express outward toward those around us, that we see them and love them as being made in the image of God. And that is just so important. It really does change everything about how we engage with others in our church, in our relationships, and spiritually with the Lord. It's just a great, great subject. I want to encourage people to go to Amazon.com, You'll find all of the writings of Ramon Pierre there, but pick up a copy of Dearly Beloved, How God's Love for His Church Deepens Our Love for Each Other, but also seek him out on Gospel Coalition, Desiring God, wherever you're getting your uh, insights from. He is writing, and so you're going to find that there. Follow him on X as well, at Pastor VP. Go and follow him. And you are going to be blessed by this. I just encourage you, grab a copy of this. Grab, if you're married, grab one for your spouse. If you're in a church, grab one for your pastor. Make sure that you get that into their hands and do spread this around. Just share the love.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree.
2: Amen. How about it?
0: Ramon, thanks so much for joining us today. This has been so encouraging. I, I love the way you've put this together. I
2: appreciate that. Thank you. It's been uh, great being with you all. You're listening to Mornings with Kelly
1: and Steve on Moody Radio, from the word to life.